Are you ready to become the top in your field? Welcome to the Tradeswoman Talk podcast, a show designed for you, one that strives to forge solidarity amongst tradeswomen. For years, this has been a predominantly male-driven industry. However, we are now entering a new era, one where whatever we truly desire can be ours. Like we have been saying, jobs don't have genders. On this show, we'll share information with each other as a collective to empower each other. Share with us your trade secrets as we share ours with you. It's our time to do more than survive. It's our time to thrive. We're happy to have you here with us on the Tradeswoman Talk podcast. And now your hosts of the show, Judalyn, Cassidy, and Andrea Harris. Tradeswoman Talk is brought to you by SupplyHouse.com. We love sharing info that empowers women and men in the trade. So here's a tip for your next job. Order your parts from SupplyHouse.com. SupplyHouse.com. Make shopping for heating, plumbing, and HVAC parts easy with a huge searchable inventory, competitive prices, and deliveries that come right to your door. No waiting in line. Just affordable quality parts ready to be shipped today. Save money and time when you order online. Shop for your next heating, plumbing, or HVAC job at supplyhouse.com. Hello, hello, and welcome, and thanks for joining us on another episode of Tradeswoman Talk. My name is Judalyn Cassidy. I am the feminist plumber and the CVO of the nonprofit organization Tools and Tiaras. And I want to introduce you to my friend and colleague, Andrea. Hi, everyone, and my name is Andrea Harris. We enjoy bringing to you, our listeners, the inspirational stories of the men and women in the building trades. On this episode of Tradeswomen Talk, our guest is Dwayne Smith Alexander, a.k.a., which I absolutely love, D. Smith. Andrea, can you share a little bit about D's background for us? Absolutely. D. Smith does it all. D. Smith Alexander is an architectural designer, urban theorist, singer, songwriter, and real estate investor. In the acting world, that would be a triple threat. But in the world of construction, it's everything. He has designed housing, civic, and cultural structures for the benefit of the African, American, and Caribbean communities. Mr. Alexander is a proud first-generation Jamaican-American based in New York City and the Caribbean. He earned a Bachelor of Architecture degree at Howard University and is a proud member of NOMA, the National Organization of Minority Architects. His surroundings has inspired his design, the subcultures of African and American and Caribbean influences he chooses for the concept of completion. Smith knows that it's important as he climbs, he lifts. So in his spare time, he gives architectural lectures to art students at the New School at John Jay College in New York City. And if all of this is not impressive, he still found time to start a mastermind with his brother, the League of Exemplary Men. Hey, Dwayne, thank you so much for joining us on this episode. Um, I'm so glad that we were connected by Genevieve so we get to see, uh, to meet you. So thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Nice to meet you all. I'm also very honored to have you here as well, because judging by your Instagram page, I want to hang out with you after this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we love we love looking at your Instagram. So, Dwayne, so this is the part where we like to get acquainted with our guests. We have the segment we call Five in Five. 
we give you five questions and then within those questions, you only have two choices. But this is the problem. Your choice may not be in there. And this is what we find with our guests. You can only choose between the two that I give you. So my question to you, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. That didn't sound like a ready voice. Are you really ready? I know, and he's not ready. <laughs> he's not ready. Okay. I'm ready. I'm ready as as oh, I okay. as ever can be. He's ready. Okay. <laughs> You're inviting a client for Sunday brunch. Is it going to be Harlem or Brooklyn? For a client, it will probably be Harlem. Okay. Which city gave you the most inspiration for your design? Paris or Ghana? Definitely Ghana. You're on vacation with friends. They're looking for a trill. It's, is it going to be zip lining or bungee jumping? It will be bungee jumping. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, I was going to say it's coffee time and chill, but I'm going to say it's tea time and, and chill. Is it going to be smooth jazz or blues? It will definitely be smooth jazz. Nice. Are you going to choose? Is it going to be a game of hoops or a round of golf? I mean, I used to play basketball in college, so game of hoops. <laughs> okay, I really thought you were going to say golf. I don't know why, but that's what I said. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. See, it wasn't that hard. It wasn't that hard. Not at all, not at all. So, doing, um, I, like I said, I am just so honored. Like, once Genevieve, she called me and she said, I found this amazing person to be on your podcast. I was like, who, who he be? And once she sent me your stuff and I started looking at it, I was really, really piqued and just so in awe of all that you do. So I wanted to know what about architecture sparked your curiosity and made you follow through on becoming an architect? Well, once again, thank you so much for having me here. Um, and to answer your question, I think it started when I was a young lad. My dad was in the trade. He was a carpenter. I essentially grew up seeing him be able to build practically anything, you know, and he wouldn't even sometimes draw it or write it down. He would work it all out in his mind. And then he would have me and my brothers really just assist him with building whatever it was. So whether it was a garage or it was, uh, you know, some piece of furniture or it was a shanty as we would call it in Jamaica, I just saw him build anything. And I think that I started to draw at a very young, early age. And I knew that I wanted to be something that was a little bit more technical than an artist, not to say that creatives aren't technical, but I, d I definitely wanted to be something that I could push into reality. So I like the fact that, you know, you can create something on two-dimensional form and drawing and then take that and actually make a three-dimensional object out of it. So that was the story. <laughs> nice. I like it. Nice. Now, architecture, like any building trade, has its challenges. What are some of the challenges you've come across in your journey? Well, my journey is still relatively young. I mean, I only graduated about 10 years ago from, from, from university. But one of the challenges that I would say definitely is the, number one, the learning curve, and then number two, uh, coordination. I think coordination has been the biggest insurmountable <laughs> uh, set of tasks that I've had to overcome throughout the years, especially working on a project that is so succinct, that is so detailed and very custom at the same time. So I think that coordination and the process of communicating information amongst the trades, building department, pretty much everyone involved, that has been one of the biggest challenges. So I think it's a learning experience that I'm definitely you know, going through currently. Yeah. 
I like you, the fact that you said that, you know, you, you're relatively young in this journey and, it's, you know, you just started and it's going to have a lot of um, challenges along your way. But one of the things that I loved when I saw your Instagram is this project that you're working on for the Brotherhood of Sister Soul. It's stunning. I wanted to know what was your objective with that design, the way the walls are, the, the way the structure is not just being so square and boxed in. It has so much movement and so much um, design to it that I actually am so, I was telling Genevieve, I so wish that we can have a building like that for Tools and Tiaros. So what was the objective with that building? Because it's no, thank you so much. Uh, that building has been like a gift and just a blessing to work on. Um, as far as the design aesthetic or the design approach, it really stemmed from the client. So the client in day one, very first meeting, I think the first thing that he said was that I, I do not want a typical Eurocentric or European style building. You know, So that immediately sparked my interest. Um, and I came and I, I drew something that was relatively, it was cool, but it wasn't, it wasn't pushing the boundaries. And my boss uh, essentially sent me back to the drawing board and said, you know, you know, keep, keep going with it, you know, like really dig deeper. Um, and I think that I went through maybe two iterations of design. And then I think you hit it on the nail, uh, Judeline. I think, I think you hit the nail on the head when you said that uh, there's so much movement because essentially we really wanted to create something that embodied uh, movement and it's something that I've dubbed especially the facade of the building as the dancing shield or a hand half folded so essentially it's really a shield to protect you know the individuals on the inside who are children uh, and the inside is very vulnerable like the material is very soft it's very inviting and it has like an element of home whereas the exterior is more bold it represents the pan-african experience of you know essentially Black, Latinx people everywhere, and it it is more of a shield, so to speak. So that's that's a very short answer <laughs> on just the many details and and the way how that facade particularly looks. But we wanted we want to embody movement, and definitely it uh, it plays as a shield to the inhabitants of the space on the interior. Yeah. You definitely accomplished that. You can you can see it with all the pictures that you post that it's hitting all those um, those markers that you want. Because I'm I'm telling you, I'm really like, once we get some funding, you're gonna have to design our new space for us. It's 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 stunning. <laughs> oh, thank you, thank you. Yes, I, I love your passion about this Sister Soul project and the way how you describe it. You could I could feel the the love that you have for it. I know that Judlin touched on this earlier, but what was your aha moment when you realized I'm good at this and I'm staying on my path? Well, the aha moment was when I, going back to even this project, when I came up with the first set of sketches for that particular project and my boss saw it and, and he pretty much signed off on it because I thought it was crazy at first. I didn't think that it would be something that someone would say. Let's 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 try this out, you know. Because at that point, we just had the sketch. It was in SketchUp and CAD and Revit, but we didn't have a set of details, and we didn't even I didn't even understand how it would work. It was just more me moving with inspiration. So that was the aha moment when my when my boss was able to say, you know what, let's let's go with this, and we're going to work it out, you know. So I think for me, prior to that project, I was always looking at things in a very safe manner, whereas I would try and know everything or if I didn't know everything I just pulled or I'd scaled 
the design back to a place where I'm, I was comfortable. But this project was like, you know, going out into the universe and just learning how to learn how to like swim, float, and pretty much do everything out, you know, and, and learn while we were going through the process. So that was the aha moment when I realized like, wow, we're actually really going to build this building, you know, looking like this. So yeah, that was it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, you know what? And look at, look at the universe, you know, you trusted it. And now it's, it's, no, it's seriously, you, this is going to be one of the structures that is going to be remembered because this is, it's unlike any other, even though I'm a plumber, I really love architecture and, and stuff like that. And the minute I saw it, it's going to be one of those, like, do you know that building, this is still building up and uh it's going to be that because of the way that you did it and you surrendered, you surrendered yourself to the process of it might be good, it may not be a mistake and I don't have to be perfect. I think, I think you accomplished that. So, you know, I can't give you a, a pat your back right now because I'm not in person seeing you, but you definitely accomplished that. So. <laughs> yeah, the data shows that 11% of architects are people of color and only 2% are black. What can we do collectively to inspire kids that look like uh, like you and I to consider architecture as a career? That's a very good question. So I think that uh, what we can do is we can basically expand the idea that one can be an architect, right? No matter who they are. I think that in certain ways that I've been able to think of how that can be done is by using the outlets that we have. I think architecture is still a little, a little behind when it comes to you know social media, when it comes to promoting and marketing the brand. Like there's a reason why so many people would like to go into fashion, right? Because you see the glitz and the glamour and runways and the stage shows. But I think with architecture, the most we see are pretty pictures on Instagram and magazines. But I think it's very important for us to document the process, which is why that's something that even a year ago during construction, the idea came to me to say, you know what, let me actually document this entire process of like me going through this, you know, designing and then being in construction of a building that I actually really love or I love to design and put that out and put it out in a manner that we can understand it. Right. I think that for individuals of you know, people of color, you know, there's certain ways that we like to digest information. So, you know, when you listen, usually listen to documentaries, you know, it's very BBC-ish. It's very, um, you know, it's very, uh, the documentaries are, are, are a certain way. And I think that what we can do is we can, we can put it in a way that we can understand it. So that can even be in terms of a very short, you know, music video-like documentary or in, in a manner where, you know, maybe we're using certain types of music and we're, editing and documenting the process in a particular way that would be fun and engaging sort of like you know tools and tiaras like it's very yeah. it's very laid back chill it's not exactly uh super technical and pragmatic all the time because i think that that's great for people who have a desire for it but i think to get the individual who is is thinking about it you yeah. have to really engage so i think that's really the most part of it like they have to see that it's rewarding you know, like, I mean, this project I've been working on, it's, it's going on five years. It's a very long time, you know. And I think that showing them the process of going from a sketch to actually having a build building in a documentary or a documenting, documentation type of form, it's really it's pivotal. Yeah. So I, I think it's really just recording the process and putting it out on all the outlets available to us. Yeah, I agree. Nice. We're all inspired by a moment of movement and or a person. Who or what is your inspiration? My inspiration, honestly, is 
humanity, life. You know, a few years ago, I love to write. So I sort of created this, these five principles of you know, architecture and people and sociology. This goes back to the urban theorist comment. And I call it CEPI, Context, Elements, Patterns, Perspective, Information. And essentially, that is just looking at the way that the world works, the way the world moves. So I'm very interested in the overarching feeling of how the world is. So looking at, you know, sometimes how we viewed the world 20 years ago versus now, right? Like how they viewed the future in 1965 versus now, right? Like, so I'm very interested in that sort of almost spherical kind of perspective of the world. So, you know, I like to look at the world just from a, I guess, micro perspective, but also macro as well, just to see like, okay, we're in the information age. How is NFTs and crypto and the metaverse like affecting the architectural world? So, yeah, I think that's my that's my response to that. <laughs> <laughs> Humanity, the spirits, the spirits that uh, we are, that we were sent down in this bodily form. Our bodily form inspires you. Huh? I I love looking at your Instagram, which is absolutely. If anybody's listening to me, check out his Instagram. Looking at your Instagram, it's it's stunning. Like I said, and I see that you love love traveling. Which country or city? has played a huge part or influence in your design aesthetic? So I want to say two cities. So okay. uh, I loved, the first one is I really loved Paris. I think the Haussmann Haussmann architecture is really inspiring. The fact that, you know, one man was able to create uh, a prototype that would sweep essentially, I mean, the entire entire country, you know, and even obviously influence like American and, 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 and other areas architecturally and aesthetically, but also Ghana. I went there for the year of the return back in 2019, and it was just amazing to see how built up it was. But then also, I think that it was also a reminder of exactly some of the structures that are there and you know how it relates back to colonialism, and, and it's almost embedded within the, the fragment of living. So I think it's very important. This is why with this particular building, I wanted, and the client also wanted to create something that was totally just opposite of that, you know? So, so I think it was those two, those two uh, cities that really played a huge impact. Nice. And, you know, I asked you earlier about your passion and I think your passion is just talking about your work and I can hear it come through in just this conversation that we're having. I see that you've done some design builds for the African-American and Caribbean communities. What's the thought process that goes into that? And what does that look like when you when when it's expressed in your design? So the thought process that goes into it, this is a very good question, actually, because uh, this actually goes back into a very small lecture that I'm doing with a company called CPDI. And the thought process is, first and foremost, learning the history of, say, for instance, a, you know, a place like Jamaica or even Costa Rica, where they have settlers from Jamaica. Again, how colonialism played a role, but then also post colonialism and how vernacular architecture played a role as well. So it's keeping all the the different design periods in mind, but then also knowing how to design something that is relevant to, you know, propelling the future forward in a more positive perspective and manner. So how do we do that in a way that's not necessarily uh, forceful onto the individuals mm-hmm. there? Because you have people from Jamaica who they, they love their, you know, the vernacular architecture that might be European or Eurocentric that might have depth or foundation 
Eurocentric design. So I think that it's very important to, you know, really first and foremost study, but then also have practice sessions or practice structures uh, that you can put up and see how people essentially take to it and relate to it. If yeah. at all. Now they do. People do relate. I think because that's why we travel. We, You know, I always tell people we travel all over the world to go see structures and stuff that amazing people like you and I, uh, we have built or we have touched. So I think it does connect to people because the travel industry with me making so much money with people, you know, having to travel and go see. Because it is. It's like, it's so amazing. Like you could go, you know, like to Mexico or even like there's places in Trinidad. There's some structures that you like. Who built this? And you would think for back then, like how this person to know that the mind is so um, um, so amazing if given the opportunity to be free. So yeah, we definitely connect with it. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. That building, trust me, brother, D. Smith Alexander Designer is <laughs> always going to be there. Okay, and we're going to bring our girls and, um, and see if we can bring our girls by to see it. So it's definitely connected. So just, to, you know, a little bit, uh, we want to do a word by our sponsor, Supply House. Supplyhouse.com makes ordering heating, plumbing, and HVAC parts easy. And being a pro, it has perks. Apply to be a supplyhouse.com trade master and you can get access to a dedicated phone line, free shipping and returns and discount on every order. Apply today at supply.com slash trade master. So um, you seem to be, and now that I've been in, you know, in this conversation with you, to be purpose-driven and goal-oriented person. How do you structure your day for the win and what does your day begin with? That's a very good question because I feel like this is something that's that's progressed and changed and grown over the last, I'm going to say, three to five years. So yeah. uh, so currently today, I try to wake up very early, anywhere between mm-hmm. 5 to 6 a.m. You know, on my, on my timer, I have, uh, mm-hmm. it says, uh, Arise Young King, <laughs> you know? So it kind of sets me in the mode of like, if I need to get up, it's not just wake up or alarm. It's like, okay, you know, I'm sort of like, putting those buzzwords in my head to like, all right, you need to conquer the day to have a great, you know, have a great week, to have a great month, to have a great year. So I start off with devotion, prayer, meditation, stretching. I always get like a 15 minute bike ride in. uh, And then I start to work on, I have obviously some side hustles and side investments, finances that I have to just look over, just make sure that the money is right, you know, to take care of the family and everything. Uh, And then I get into my work for the day. And essentially, I have something called a fast five, where the first five hours, I like to get a bulk of the hard, really mind work oriented tasks out of the way. So once I do that, then I have, you know, lunch. And then pretty much everything after that is all like sketching and more of chasing after people, you know, obviously we all have to do it. Uh, and just more work that is not necessarily uh, requires a lot of brain effort. So that's pretty much my day, you know. I like that. Nice. I like that. And I'm going to, I think I'm going to steal that. And uh, because I start my day off in the morning when I wake up with the gratitude and uh, then I do meditation. But I think I like your alarm because my alarm is like, you know, a couple of jazz music or something. But I'm going to change it to Arise Queen and greet the day. I Arise like that. Queen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that. Yeah. I like that too. My alarm is just wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> It's annoying. It's like, oh, oh man, yeah, I'm trying to stay off. Yeah, you made us just realize. That. I don't have it. Yeah, you made us realize that we're we gotta doing step it. Our game. Yeah, we got to step up our game. Yeah. 
<laughs> now, you look, you wake up, you look at your investments, you ride, you read, you set goals for yourself. How does D. Smith unwind? Good one. So I, I'm Jamaican. So uh, or I'm first generation Jamaican. I should say, well, you know, Zayad months too. Yeah, we get it. Um, <laughs> I, so um, I love to dance with my brothers. So I do like to go out. I try to go out like every, you know, at least once, once or twice on the weekends. And I like to just, you know, dance, have a good time with my brothers and, and kind of vibe out. You know, I think it's very important. I'm not, I'm definitely not just a work, work all day kind of guy. Like, you know, I love to go out and, and, and dance. So. <laughs> All right, people. D. Smith likes to dance. Yeah, welcome, brother. I found my uh, my yes, You found your spirit. Your spirit yeah, because I'm the yeah, I'm the same way. I love like I don't go out much. I'm pretty much like an introvert. But when I'm out there, anything with dancing, I can't sit down. People like I'm dancing to African, Caribbean, anywhere yes. I go. I'm doing all the dances. I know all of them. I, yes. I want to learn them. So. <laughs> We've gone out, and she's. I'm like, it's time to go, and she's still on the floor. I'm like, can we leave? (laughs) (laughs) And that's the most difficult part. You have the Afrobeat dance all soca. It's like, all right, I gotta go. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta stay out. (laughs) And every time I think I want to leave, I I hear one more song, and my daughter cracks up that every song is my favorite song. Like, I love that song. Then I can't go because. Uh, another song is playing that I absolutely love. So I, I'm glad to see that your chill factor is is like that too. So what has been your key to success? And if someone is considering being an architect, what strength and qualities can help them succeed? You think you know that would help them succeed? Well, I think uh, now that I've I've been in the game or I've been in the industry for about ten years now, I think the number one thing is to get mentors early. Uh, and try and learn as much as you can on each project. Uh, when I first started out, I was mainly doing rehabs, and I was in when I was in school. I was always very design, aesthetic, pushing the boundaries. Uh, and when I came out of school, I thought that I was going to be pretty much placed on a project that was out the gate, like a museum or a church. But I wasn't obviously. You know, I had to pay my dues, so I started off with uh, these seven rehab projects. And it didn't intrigue me. But now looking back at it, you know, it's helped in so many areas because I know the typical construction, the typical build of a wood frame structure, the typical, yeah. uh, you know, construction or build of a structure that was built in 1910, you know. So, you know, looking back, I can say, okay, I flipped houses, right, as a side hustle or a side project where I know exactly what to take out, what to keep, how to save money. Because I saw in my first early years, nonprofit organizations, that's what they were doing. We were doing, we were taking out certain structures and I saw them like, okay, they took that out and they left this in and they refurbished this and the place looks brand new. So I think it's, it's mainly about taking up as much knowledge as you can with the opportunities that come, but then also not settling for being the person who just does one particular thing. You don't want to be the graphics person only, right? You want to be well-rounded. You want to be able to essentially... You want to know how to how a building gets built, and then that is pretty much will take you to where you need to go. Nice. Um, we call that the meat and the bones of it. You want to get <laughs> get from the bones and then just build Absolutely. it up to the meat. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We we all have a circle of friends that keep us grounded. I have Judlyn, as you have met, who when I am getting ahead of myself, she's like, "Um, I'm sorry, that's not going to work," you know. 
and <laughs> that keep us grounded and keep us real. And what does your circle look like with your friends and the the ones who keep you saying, "All right, D, you got this." Okay, D, don't do that. What does that look like? So my circle is very small, but we're I feel like we're definitely a great collective. So I mean, obviously, my best friend is my my brother. So I have a brother, an older brother, and a twin brother. And but then I also have. Uh, uh, a group or a mastermind, I want to say, that's called Glowem, League of Exemplary Men. And essentially, we meet every first Sunday of the month and we discuss our goals. And essentially, if we come back that next month without having hit certain goals that we put on that list, you're going to hear it from everybody and it's not going to be fun. It's not going to be pretty. So I think that it's very important to have people who keep it real with you. Like they tell you, hey, look, listen, you said that you're going to get this done and it's not done. You know, so, uh, so that's pretty much my circle. Uh, we like to call ourselves like, you know, mastermind wolf pack of the group. And essentially we push each other, you know, you know what they say? Like, you know, you want to go fast, go alone, yeah. you want to go further. So, yeah, I, I actually, when I saw that in your bio, I was really jealous because I've been wanting to do, you know, listening to a lot of leadership's books and people who are in leadership, they've succeeded because they belong to mastermind of where you do exactly what you said. You push each other and you, they call you on your bull, your bull. I almost said my word. They put, they call you on, <laughs> they call you the stuff that you haven't completed. And I, I really, when I saw that, I, I think, um, you're going to, you know, I've been saying it to people. I want to do a man and I haven't found really like the group. I have this one mentor that I talk to as a CEO of a big company, but I think I could do even more if I had an amazing group of people to like, just push you to the next level. So I actually, when I saw that, I was really, I, I admire that. And I love that to keep you grounded. So definitely going to work on getting that together because it, I push myself, but sometimes I think if I have people, I, how much more magnificent it can be with helping me with execute um, ideas. So definitely going to do that. Yeah. Is there any structure that you didn't design, but if it was your wish, you and given the opportunity, you would have loved to done it or uh, do it? Oh, man. Uh, <laughs> too many. <laughs> um, I see structures all the time. I mean, I just watched a documentary last night by an architect, Japanese actually Kengo Kuma and you know he's talking about his his uh his five concepts of architecture and he's going through his entire catalog of just built works and I pretty much wish I, I designed all of those buildings <laughs> so um obviously architecture and construction is, it takes time so you have yeah. to be very patient but I, I think yeah I, I have so many structures I mean my goal is to really uh focus more so on uh, congregational structures, you know, churches, resorts, uh, community centers, museums. Uh, but I think that, you know, I love, love what every architect is doing. And, I, you know, they all inspire me. I, David Ajay inspired me. Uh, Kengo Kuma, I just spoke about him. Bjarke Kengo. It's pretty much everyone that you've heard about and even other. You're right. Peter Zumthor. It's, it's so many of them that they've done great works and it's just like, wow, you know, and I always, when I see their sketch, like, okay, I would have done that or I would have done that, you know? So, but it's, it's, I think that it's so many uh, works that I would have. So many. I can't, I yeah, I, I gave you a tough yeah, choice. I, I, can't, I can't name one. I can't, if I had to name one, it, it would be the, uh, the, the Smithsonian African-American uh, yes. museum in Washington, DC. That is, that's a gem. Amazing. So if there's one, it is. that will be, 
that would be the one. <laughs> I like that one too. I, I I didn't even, but I do. I do like that. I remember when I met, uh, they had a, they were just like the older concept and everything. There was a nice meeting they had in Philly about it. And I was just so, same thing. It's similar to the building that uh, you designed, the way they, the, the concepts and uh, bringing through our African heritage in it. It was just so cool. So I think that's a good one, actually. I think you would have done a good job too, you know, do that. So I think you did it in your own way in this building, like in a, a, a smaller scale with this one that you're doing. Judeline, actually, you touched on my, my next question. So mm-hmm. I'm going to have to just find another question, pull it out of my head and see. <laughs> because you, I wanted to ask you more about the League of Exemplary, Exemplary Men. Love the name, by the way. Me too. A yeah. young person in high school considering architecture as a career. How do they prepare themselves? And I know you touched on it earlier, but how do they just, you know, say, you know, this is what I want to do. This is where I want to be. What, how were they prepping themselves for that first year of college to that first year of on the job? Uh, I think it's just follow follow the instruction because I think architecture is definitely one of those things where it's it's definitely not straightforward. Like the way how architecture school is, is very different from the way how it is in the field. You don't necessarily get the preparation needed to handle coordination amongst all the trades. And I think that it's... It's very important to master what you can then. So when you're in high school, you know, master sketching. When you're in college, master that semester. It might be, you know, a particular project, master SketchUp or Revit or whatever the program is that they're particularly using at the time. Um, And then when you get on the job, you know, the the goal is to, number one, soak up as much knowledge as you can, collect your IDP hours and seek to get uh, licensed, you know, as early as possible. That's something that I did not do. So I'm telling people from my experience that that's what you should be doing because basically they're one in the same it's almost like parallel roads leading to a particular point that meet each other like when you're trying to get licensed as an architect you pretty much will learn and be exposed to everything that you need to know to become a great architect so and and you just said um idp idp hours can you explain to us what idp means what it stands for you know, it's been so long that I've collected my hours. I actually don't know what IDP stands for. <laughs> that's, that's I'm, I'm, taking my tests. I'm, I'm taking my tests now, but essentially what IDP is, it's the process of collecting work hours to qualify for taking the ARE. Okay. That's the ARE is basically the exams that you will be taking to become a licensed architect in whichever state that you seek to practice in. Nice. So. Thank you. I know it, it takes Anne to throw you that, that little like side hook on you there. She had to give you a little. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, I finished collecting my IDP hours, I think, maybe four or five years ago. So I haven't been on that process on the. Uh, uh, okay. Um, okay. So it's coming down to like our final question that I always love to ask people. What is one message you think every woman should hear? And this one always tricks people up, mostly women. What do you love most about yourself? What do I love most about myself? Yeah, yeah. It all begins with self-love, so. <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, you know, I'm a very modest guy, so I'm trying to. I, I love most about myself uh, the fact that I am, on one hand, very disciplined, you know, very structured. But then on the other hand, I have uh, some I leave some space for myself to allow for mistakes because I think with mistakes comes 
process of boosted creativity. So, you know, I'm not I'm not structured to the point where I'm playing everything safe and I know how things will turn out. I'm sort of balanced. So I guess what I what I would say is that I love the balance that I've cultivated in these last couple of years of, of, of life. So and you wanna ask him any final questions before we go? Yeah, my final <laughs> no, I couldn't hear for a second. My yeah. final question to you is you only answered actually one part of the question was what is it that you, you answered what you love yeah. most about yourself? What do you think that everyone should hear? Got you, got you. Sorry, I didn't hear that part. All right. I think that you have to see everything from a space of professionalism and confidence. And I think that everything will follow suit. I think that part of being, a, you know, part of this group of League of Exemplary Men is we study about, you know, how to how to win in particular situations, right? So we look at all the different uh, archetypes of confidence, of, of leadership. And I think that once a person can exemplify and prepare themselves to win and to be confident, then, you know, the exterior world pretty much reacts to you. So no matter what situation you're in, no matter who's around, you embody and you control the frame of that particular encounter with a contractor, with uh, a man who's never done work with a woman on site. I think it's a matter of just mindset and attitude. And once you approach the situation in that manner, the first meeting is going to be awkward for them and maybe for you. But the third meeting, if you keep that frame, by the third meeting, they're going to be treating you and respecting you as a gifted whatever you are in that particular trade. So that would be my response to that. Like, And I think that that goes for men and women. I think that women definitely have full capability because I've seen it on numerous occasions to carry themselves on site and to lead on site. Andrew and I definitely agree because, uh, yeah, we agree. We've been, uh, you know, like you said, I well, I grew up really being um, shy and intimidated a lot. And then when I started construction and I realized that men really kind of act like they know everything and I actually know it and wasn't. And I started carrying myself exactly what you say with confidence. I walk in every job, even other trades, the guys will tell me, wow, you know, you, you know, you know what you're doing. You walk in here with confidence. And that's the thing that I get every, no matter where I go. And I'm, especially with my job, other things I have to work on. But when it comes to being on the job site and that confidence, I do agree with you. I tell women that all the time, just walk in there with a confidence of an ordinary white guy and you'll be good. Like just have that confidence. It is, it, you just walk in there and, and, and do it. So I totally agree with you. So how can our listeners connect with you? And do you have any upcoming uh, events that you can share with us? Um, yes, absolutely. So I'm, I'm usually mostly accessible by social media. So I'm very, uh, Sponsored there, just at D Smith Alexander, pretty much on everything, uh, you know, Instagram, TikTok, all the socials. Um, and events coming up. Um, so, as I said, I'm really putting together a documentary on this building that I've been working on for the last five years. So, not necessarily an event, but I really wanted to create something that looks like it came from an architect and not like from a documentary company. So, it's really going to be my experience, my edits, my vocals. And, you know, just my perspective of what it was like to work on this particular building, the wins, the joys, the many mistakes, the many angry uh, <laughs> moments, and just all uh, the experience. I think for this, for someone to see this, you know, a younger architect, man or woman, boy or girl, yeah. I think that it will just lend themselves to know that anyone can do this, you know. Um, 
I'm a very accessible person. And yeah, I'm hoping to really just inspire someone with that particular documentary to get into the trade. Yeah. So we'll definitely, yes. yeah. So we'll definitely put um, all your social in the, in the show notes. Andrea, before we close out, do you have anything you want to share with us? Thank you, Mr. Alexander, for joining us today at this brand new New Year's episode of Tradeswoman Talk. Tradeswoman Talk, please remember to like, share, and volunteer. You could download us at any of your podcast applications. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you for listening to the sound of our voices and listening to our conversation with the amazing D. Smith. And just remember that out there, there's somebody waiting and longing for somebody to show them how absolutely amazing and magnificent they are. You can be that person and be that person. So until next time, catch up on other episodes and uh, enjoy Tradeswoman Talk. So see you next time around, people. Have a blessed one. We really hope you enjoyed this episode of Tradeswoman Talk podcast. Stay connected. Visit www.toolsandtiaras.org. You can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn at Tools and Tiaras. If you would like to connect with us, please send us an email through info at toolsandtiaras.org. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and review. Until next time, make sure you let someone know how magnificent they truly are.